P-U-X World. P-U-X World. P-U-X World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about voice. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Cool. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for joining us as well, Sam. Pleasure to have you along. Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. And I guess it would be polite for me to say it was my fault. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, we should really do like rehearsals of some description. Um, Every other kind of conference or live stream or anything like that that I've been on in the past, they always have you for an hour, like the week before. And it always frustrates me because just things just work normally. So I just don't Mm -hmm. tend to do it. Uh, Whereas obviously now it bites you in the ass, doesn't it? Because it doesn't always work. It's more frustrating when you do it a week before and it works and then it doesn't after. So mm, yeah, that's very true. It's fine. That is very true. You've got a nice healthy looking mic there, Sam. That looks like it's a, uh, is that a, is that a Shure SM? What is it? SM, what are they called again? It's a kind of now. 7, SM, SM7B. SM7B. That's the one. Yeah. That's good. You're going to end up sounding better than us on this podcast. <laughs> I didn't set it up so I can't take the credit for that so I've, I've ruined the stream and I also can't take any credit for the setup it sounds good though start. <laughs> it sounds nice it sounds very nice uh, cool so uh, welcome 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 uh, do you want to introduce yourself Tom tell us, tell us a bit about yourself and, and a bit about what, what Boost do yeah sure so my name's Sam Danby and um, I'm project manager for voice at Boost AI um, Boost AI are a conversational AI um, company here um, located uh, in Norway, Stavanger, and we also have um, offices in Sweden, UK, the US. Um, so we're kind of um, we're on, we're not just in Norway, and um, kind of yeah. So so recently we um, well mainly we focused on um, virtual agents, conversational AI with chat, and uh, over the last year, year and a half, we have um, developed technology to also offer voice. Um, so we're kind of working on um, voice and chat with our conversational AI. So our kind of um, area of expertise is NLU and LP, but also um, working with clients for um, right strategy, um, when projects go live, how to improve roadmaps, um, and a lot of innovation work with uh, organizations as well. Mm. Nice. Sounds good. Sounds good. And you, you, you're incredibly active on the uh, on on the conversational AI scene on LinkedIn fairly regularly and, and a frequent participant in the old voice lunch as well, Sam. I do like, yeah, I like it. I um I think it's mostly similar to everybody else that joins. Um is kind of research, sharing experiences. Um, we just um, launched Voice Lunch Nordics. Uh, we're into the second month of that. So kind of sharing experiences with people in, in the Nordic countries, um, but also joining yeah the Global Strategy UK. Um, try and hit what everybody's doing when I can. Nice. And what is everyone doing right now, Sam? What's the, uh, what are the latest kind of developments or trends that you're kind of noticing in, in the conversational AI and voice space at the minute? Yeah, I think I think that's why it's really interesting to join the different lunches, right? I think if you in anything really, if you kind of stick to people you're already familiar with, things you already know, it kind of restricts the knowledge globally, right? So kind of joining the different lunches to see what are the differences in the different countries, um, how um, let's for say a global pandemic might have affected different countries, um, kind of performing similar tasks and projects as we are, uh, and sharing experiences. Yeah, so we're typically seeing that um well let's talk about kind of we're talking about trends right so kind of during these times as we hopefully won't have to keep saying for longer um kind of traffic's increasing right so if we focus on um conversational ai in general um we've seen kind of in the financial sector some um traffic has increased two three times over these this kind of last year um people are um kind of moving their um, contact centers, more cloud-based, maybe while people are working from home, kind of adapting new technologies and strategies to, to serve customers. Uh, and a lot of that does obviously um, run this uh, podcast, includes voice. So um, it's, it's a popular channel. It's a place where people are always going to um, be um, trying to get hold of products and services. So um, 
people are kind of now the technology is uh, evolving and improving. Um, companies are kind of a little bit more open to testing out um, voice, um, and it will keep continuing. Right, it's never never too late to jump on the voice train because things are changing every week. Mm, yeah, they they do tend to be. Uh, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time at the minute. Um, it seems to I don't know what you think, Dustin, but Alexa and stuff like that. Then the voice assistants seem to be kind of really hyped in maybe 2018, 2019. Then it kind of seems as though it died down a little bit. But now it seems as though everything is becoming a little bit more hyped again. Everyone's talking about voice in, in every aspect, you know, not just voice assistants, but it's websites, apps, contact centers. Would you agree with the fact that there was a bit of a dip and now it's it's becoming a little bit more holistically spoke about again? Or do you think, or what, what do you reckon? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure it's come back. No, there, there's definitely a dip. That's, uh, I mean, that's that's unavoidable. I'm not sure if voice specifically has come back. And Sam, I'm interested in your perspective because you, I think, have an interesting or you uh, or coming from an interesting place where uh, you're focused on voice, but you're from a larger conversational company. And is that something that you saw where, um, you know, what were you seeing, I guess, in regards to interest in conversational overall uh, versus conver- uh, interest in voice? Were they growing in lockstep? Was there a difference there? One was dipping, one was growing. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to keep growing conversational AI in general, right? People are becoming more um, kind of reliant on the technology, whether it be voice or chat. People are expanding use cases as the technology is developing um, the capabilities are obviously improving. So as the capabilities improve, people are quickly taking up the opportunities and what's available, but also coming up with new innovative ideas, right? So they're starting to think beyond what is available now and trying to get it ready for tomorrow as in actually tomorrow or yesterday sometimes. Um, but I think in me personally, I mean, we are a conversational AI company that is heavily experienced in, in chat. Uh, we've got a lot of success with chat. We've got some really impressive clients who have done some really impressive projects. Um, but of course, for me being in voice, I do think people are adapting voice more, but is that because people are adapting voice more or is it just because I'm jumping into the space, right? You, you, you start to go to more voice lunches. You start to go on talks on clubhouse. And as I say, you surround yourself around people that are doing the similar things to you. So it starts to seem like everybody's doing it. Um, but really we are in a very small part of the world, right? Conversational AI, um, you meet new people and, and people say, well, you've been talking about intents for 40 minutes. What's an intent, right? And then you start kind of, you kind of reset and think, okay, yeah. So, so we, we not everybody is kind of involved in this space like I am. Um, yeah. But I'd say since say people are adapting more, what, I mean, you guys are also kind of heavily involved, Kane. You are more people asking questions, or you as well. I've noticed actually, and I don't know if this is because we've been doing kind of like talks at different types of events that we that we would have done prior. But I've noticed um, a lot of people. I think that there's a lot of people now who are interested in conversational AI. I still think it's a niche area. A lot more people interested. And a lot of the connections I've made probably over the last month has been a load of, and I don't know where it's come from, to be honest, but it's been a load of people who are very much at the beginning of the journey. Like, and and, and it's given me so many decent ideas for content as well, because, you know, I, I've, I've been asked by, by probably three, you mentioned NLU, I've been asked by three different people over the last probably two weeks, uh, where, where can I learn about NLU? You know, like, where is the, where can I go to kind of learn? And I had a bit of a Google and basically everything that's anything to do with NLU is from providers that, have NLU systems and they're teaching you how to use their NLU systems. So there's nothing out there that actually says, this is what NLU is. This is how it works. This is the basic explainer, which is basically some of the content that I've been working on. Um, but I'm noticing, yeah, so I'm seeing that I'm seeing that people are just kind of coming into it and this feels as though there's a lot more people who are kind of just coming into it. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird, I can't really put my finger on it. It's a bit, it's a weird kind of, for me, like you say, we've always been surrounded by people who are madly passionate about voice. And so you just think there's something that's going on all around you. Um, but it's interesting to see, you know, companies getting involved, like large companies, you know, we talk about, we were speaking last week about Genesis and the potential of acquiring board 360 and stuff like that. And so, and, and, and companies who, um, I don't know. It, yeah, I'm just I'm just noticing that there seems to be a lot more, lot more acquisitions, a lot more people kind of interested in it. Um, yeah, but it's not necessarily to do with voice assistants. That's kind of the when I was the starting point where I was kind of getting at was that this time two three years ago it felt as though all the hype was about voice assistants, whereas now it feels as though everything's all about conversational AI. Mm-hmm. It, general terms um and voice is obviously a big part of that especially in the contact center and stuff like that and you mentioned boost has come from chat historically and now has voice capabilities what is it that you've noticed because there'll be a load of people who are who are gonna feel this this exact process if they've started with chat or they're just getting involved and they're, they're thinking about chat and voice what is it that you've noticed from having such a pedigree in chat now starting to do voice, what are some of the standout things that you've noticed have been either different or challenging? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it is exciting, right? People are coming and they have no experience whatsoever. And it's kind of, you get that chance again to kind of get, we get a little bit excited when we explain what we're doing and we get to talk about voice. And when people don't understand it, it is quite fun to kind of go through the process, right? Because sometimes that's better than people who have a little bit of experience and kind of come with a strategy or an idea that maybe would be pretty wrong or, or maybe not wrong. That's not a bit, but maybe there's a better kind of, there's better best practices to, to deploy than something that maybe they've already experienced. Um, and, and yeah, I think coming from chat, it's, there's, there's different things. If, if, if organizations are looking for a conversational AI platform, um, they may want chat. Of course, it's something we've got experience with. It's what um, organizations out there in the world have a lot of experience with, and it's very proven to, to kind of provide a good business value ROI or all of the keywords. Um, but voice of course is, is it is new and it's new because it's changing so quickly. So there's, there's, there's kind of for us, for me, kind of a lot of the, if people are coming to us with conversational IVR, for example, um, kind of there's good practices to put in place. And I think we try and strip it back and look at the basics again, right? So you can either build on existing, say with somebody's already got chat, we can build on existing content, um, add a voice bar, um, kind of we have integrations to um, conversational IVR providers, or we can kind of use our NLU to a contact center as we'll probably go into. Um, but kind of you do the same process, right? What are your use cases? What are you trying to achieve? What, what are your pain points? Um, and typically, um, it's important to kind of align internally, like we need to with chat, kind of make sure that everybody has the same idea of what is going to be of value for the, for the organization. Um, you know, what are people already calling about? If you're looking at voice, what, what's high levels of traffic to your phone right now? Um, that's kind of, um, things we need to look at. Um, so, so similar practices to, to, to chat, uh, maybe want to do chat and voice at the same time. Right. So that's quite different because we need to do um, chat content and, and voice content is going to be very different in terms of conversation design. Um, uh, we've kind of designed it on ours to, to facilitate that where you use the same platform, but you get different responses depending on which channel you get. Right. So you can kind of keep everything in the same place. And that's proven quite important. And, and we do that because of learning from experiences. Um, one thing we do try and uh, I think being realistic is, is something that kind of comes up in every voice or conversation AI discussion where, um, with chat, you can be quite innovative. You can say, we want, we've got this idea, we want to achieve it. And with chat, it's quite possible, um, with, with the right kind of people involved and the right resources and effort with voice is a little bit more difficult. Um, you, you probably have experienced it yourselves where somebody comes with a really cool marketing video they've seen online, and it's like, hey there, John, how you doing? And it's like, oh, wait a minute, I, I recognize, John, is that you? I recognize you by your voice. You're now authenticated. And it's like, did you, I saw you yesterday driving your car. And it's like, it's unrealistic, right? So you need to strip back what is actually possible and to achieve. And I think going into the project with a realistic expectation of what you're going to achieve, um, what the technology is capable of doing, 
um, and selecting the right technology to actually go into the project with. So um, I would say it's really important to sit down, talk about strategy, um, talk about realistic KPIs, goals. Um, and that's something you're kind of a big uh, believer of um, and, and kind of making sure before you start the project that you have realistic expectations with some innovation, of course, um, and using proven methods and technology always is obviously a quicker uh, route to success. Hmm. I didn't mean to put you off there, by the way. I was gazing about because I realized that <laughs> because we're using Zoom, I haven't got a clue whether anyone's commenting on anything or asking any questions. So I was quickly trying to just fire things up. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you've noticed anything, Dustin. No, no, nothing's come through just okay. yet. Um, but I, I do want to touch on what you just mentioned, Sam, because I think you've actually alluded to this a few different times now. You're talking now about when you go into voice, you have to be realistic about what the technology uh, can do. And you also mentioned a few times earlier that people are coming into voice who wouldn't have done it before because the technology has improved to a point where they feel comfortable. What has it been over the past couple of years that have come, that has come about technology-wise to make people feel more comfortable going into this? And what's holding them back now that's not available? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I think everything's involved, right? Let's if we if we take a scenario where um, we're trying to enhance the customer experience when they call in the contact center. So maybe we're automating the first part, conversational IVR, and then they get through to the advisor. Contact centers are a hot topic right now, that's, of course. Um, so there's lots of things that are important. And um, that area is important to me in terms of guiding the use, the, the organizations to kind of become successful. So let's take the first thing, right? So is somebody makes a phone call on an IVR um, and, and they're greeted with a message about um, what they can help with on, on the IVR. And then of course, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to say what's wrong or, or what they're trying to achieve. So then we're already talking about importance of technology speech to text, right? We need to be able to take what that user said and make sure that we understand them. Um, so we can talk about fantastic NLU, NLP, super integrations to CRM systems. But if we don't understand the user when they're speaking, we're already ruined. I saw uh, Kane had kind of taken a phrase I've said in the past and said, crap in, crap out, um, which is true, right? So, so speech to text improved. Um, if we're looking at um, the capabilities of kind of different languages, language detection, um, being able to um, select kind of, I know we talked about kind of plugging any bot into any contact center with any NLU and any speech to text, text to speech, the capabilities of selecting speech to text that are more specific to your use case and your language and what you're trying to achieve is now possible, right? So we do benchmarking. We will work with the clients, record audio samples or use audio samples that they already have and run them through a tool we have of multiple speech to text services and get a transcription there of the different ones and perform word error rate or some analysis and have some kind of data to show which technologies would be good to start with. And that's just speech to text. That's just kind of one simple part of it. So speech to text is improving, of course. Um, every month we see kind of languages that maybe weren't available in 2020 are available to use now. We have projects uh, in, in, the, in the Baltic countries, Lithuanian, Latvian, Estonian. Um, they're languages that are hard to um, find many um, providers of um, because of the difficulty with the language. Finnish, right? Finnish is one of our strongest languages. That's a hard language to, to, to navigate for, for companies. So companies are offering more um, obviously more data is being used to improve the models. Um, speed of latency, of course, prices are, are, are getting um, less and less. So kind of that minute of call time to a, an IVR um, system is getting cheaper and cheaper um, as kind of um, the technology improves also. And then you've got the kind of user friendliness, the functionalities of the contact centers that are improving their tools. Um, Kane uh, loves agent assist these days. Um, think tools like that. So, we're starting to find new pains in the process of talking to a brand and kind of trying to develop things that kind of relieve that pain. And, and the pains start to become smaller and smaller as the technology gets better, right? Because we're starting to try to find problems with things that maybe aren't already there. Mm, interesting. So you mentioned speech to text and obviously that it sounds as though Boost had it, had an NLU 
that was a chat bit platform was chat based initially nlu is performing pretty well the the voice side of things sounds as though you're using the kind of cloud providers for the speech to text possibly the same for the uh text to speech we might get onto those two in a moment but have you needed to do anything to the to the core nlu that you had initially now that you're working with voice given that people you know talk differently to the to how they type you can tap buttons when on a chat button things like that. you don't have to type to it when people do type they tend to type short because it's quicker so you're obviously going to be dealing with probably different types of utterances when you put a bot in a contact center versus in a on a, on a website have you had to do anything to the nlu to change it and respond to the fact that you now support voice interfaces um no the nlu is the brain the power and kind of the focus of our technology right so so that's kind of that is is the same um and kind of we see that being the most important part of the the kind of solution or the provide providing the end-to-end experience of a phone call um of course conversation design that that requires some some work um uh, kind of one of the things you mentioned there for example is buttons right so um there's many um kind of we can call them chatbots, right? Where you, you click through the buttons and the whole experience is um, clicking buttons and there's no AI involved, right? There's no predictions. There's no um, kind of connecting what they've said to an intent. Um, but I'd say it's the tools, right? I mean, you talk about things like acknowledgements when people are asking questions or confirmations or um, allowing barging in. Um, things like this are kind of where you would develop tools for um for the voice experience, but kind of the core technology of, of, of what we're doing, what we find best in projects is connecting and um, other technologies to what we offer to kind of provide the best um, IVR or voice experience that we can um, kind of get speech to text, text to speech or an integration to a contact center or to an IVR provider, right? Because um, telephony, of course, we need to be able to have the um, kind of, the numbers and connected up to where we want them to go. Um, and we actually don't handle any of the speech to text or text to speech ourselves. Um, we work with either contact centers or IVR providers to offer that. And that kind of is a, 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 a big importance to what we're offering because we select the right partners for the voice um, kind of part of this to make sure that we can continue our customization. We talked about, for example, we benchmark speech to text services before we go into a project. You still need to be able to select whichever one you want, right? If if you use an integration that offers one speech to text service, there's basically no point even benchmarking because you're still going to have to use the same one anyway. So we're working with um, companies um, that offer um, flexibility of speech to text. So inside their platform that we're working with, you select, for example, if you want to use Google, Microsoft, um, Amazon, and um, of course the benchmarking then you can select whichever speech service, speech to text service is best for your industry, your use case, your language um, very easily, um, which is quite important because, for example, if we've got an organization who offers um, a voice bot in five different languages, right? That's quite difficult in chat. So when we start to do things like that in voice, let's say Google's very good in, in, in English, but then we're kind of moving over to maybe a Nordic language or um, or Spanish, and maybe say, let's say we found Microsoft to be best in that language. What we can actually do is also mid conversation, mid per intent, we can switch language model. So let's say um, somebody changes language um, mid conversation, we can then switch language model. So let's say we want to go from Google to Microsoft. Um, this is something they're offering there. Or for example, entities, entity extraction is very hard. Getting information from a user is quite difficult. So if one speech to text provider is kind of has a, has a more uh, robust service for extracting addresses, we can then switch to their model, for example, extracting an address from somebody. Mm. Do you think that's a short term thing in terms of one speech to text provider being better at addresses than another one being maybe a little bit better with financial terminology than another. Do you think that's just a short term thing? Cause the way I kind of, and this is a question I have sometimes about NLU as well, is that as the technology improves and as it gets better over time, the accuracy should surely increase over time. And therefore 
I'll be interested in your perspective on this as well, Dustin. Is there going to be, do you think, a point at which they kind of just level out and it doesn't really matter whether you're using Google or Amazon or IBM because they're all going to be pretty much like for like? Mm. What do you reckon? Or do you think you're always going to need to 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 do that upfront? Yeah, I think, I mean, you can, of course, train, train uh, language models. You can train language models. We can train um, the NLU to... Um, to recognize words, maybe new words, words that aren't in the dictionary, medical terms. Um, but in kind of, for example, in some of the testing and differences between speech services, um, even just in English, we've seen that, for example, some um, benchmarking um, one service versus another was five times more, five, had five times more errors. Um, we've had some where the results have differed between 15 and 30% from one, from one speech service to another. Um, dialects, um, um, we can have, if, if there's a, let's say if we spoke Queens English and then I started speaking, there's, I mean, there's definitely a difference if we're starting to move further up North, right? You'll never find a speech recognition system that can probably understand me. Exactly. Right. So, (laughs) and, and, and kind of 10 to 15% differences in dialects. So they are going to improve with based upon data. They are going to improve based upon modeling. But we also, again, it's that word like being about being realistic, right? Is humans don't always understand each other on the phone. And based upon it, if, if you gave me your registration number, is it an M or an M or a P or a B? There's always going to be some errors. And we have to, that's where we have to be realistic and not um, kind of going into it thinking it's going to be kind of always better than a human can understand. Um, but it will improve. I mean, Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely improved. I think we're a long way away from it being um, monetized, though, right? If you think just um, just accuracy and and precision, I mean, that's definitely one measure where I think we're so far away. But you know, there's features on top of it as well, right? Sam, you were talking about uh, you know switching different languages. You know, it, it, is there a point where we are actually just have like one model for? For similar languages, for example, uh, you know, in the Nordic countries, the languages are, are somewhat similar. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's one model for that, right? Or, um, you know, there's a lot more around, I'm not sure if, if Boost does this, but um, detecting and uh, extracting or censoring or, or not blanking on the word, but sensitive information. Uh, from the from the text as well, right? So there's still a lot of features that I think that we're still waiting for. Mm, yeah, interesting. So, have you found from the speech recognition baseline testing that it's industry dependent? Is it use case dependent, or does it does it vary based on from one sentence to another? Yeah, I think. I mean, we we have to kind of. I think it'd be important for me to say. It, de- it depends on each each test, right? Because if, of course we've started to build out um, kind of baselines, as you say, kind of, we would have an idea of if, if, if an organization wanted to do some benchmarking, we could probably predict quite accurately which services might be, let's say out of the box, most accurate. Um, but of course, kind of, a lot of important, it, it depends on use case too, right? One thing, one of the reasons we also do the, the testing of, of benchmarking is, um, well, one of the reasons we built the tool is we've experienced in the past, maybe partners have been doing testing where you need to upload an audio file one at a time to each of the speech vendors. And, and it, that's quite laborious. Um, one of the other things that we've done it for is just to try and work with organizations to avoid them from going into say POCs or pilots with technology that maybe they haven't benchmarked. Uh, and then maybe you find out three months into a project that, oh no, you know what? it just actually doesn't understand people when they're in a restaurant, right. Or when they're outside or the, the, they're ordering a taxi outside and that background noise is actually stopping any kind of transcription occurring and it's causing errors. So that's what we're trying to avoid is, is, is kind of guiding best practices and working with clients to maybe start projects with the right technology, or at least start projects with a, a more clear understanding. And the benchmarking I'd say isn't always important to find out which one's going to be best for you. Sometimes it can be more powerful to see maybe what's not best for you. So if you kind of have an idea or a pre kind of arranged agreement, or you're already using some technology and kind of, we can benchmark that to kind of give you some powerful data to take to business or to share with people, stakeholders and say, you know, we, we are finding that kind of the, the, the predictions here are quite low in our industry because of our terms are difficult to model, for example. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. And and do you find that you have to, are you doing much work around tuning the speech recognition systems or are you doing that work up front to essentially find out which one's going to be best out the box? So I'd say that's something you perform afterwards, right? Because it is, it requires a lot of testing and, and, and kind of re-collaborating, um, always improving, just like the NLU and Intents, right? You're always trying to add new training data or changing content. And that's the same, of course. Um, I'd say that is quite a, a large process in making sure it's correct. Um, so that would be something that would happen afterwards, uh, kind of the out-of-the-box testing or um, kind of using an existing one can kind of give us a baseline or a good idea of what would be best. Hmm. Do you find that, or can you see any any issues or challenges with how some contact centers, how, like integrating with different contact centers is different every time. And often one of the ways that you can do it is that the contact center will actually handle the speech recognition and send the text to the bot from another platform. The bot then sends that text back to the contact center and the contact center draws on the TTS provider to play that back. It's a bit like how the audio codes voice AI gateway works. You choose your speech recognition provider within there, you choose your TTS provider within there, but the actual logic and the text gets sent off to the bot. And, and I know that the Avaya, uh, you can work it like that with Avaya and, and a few other contact centers with us work the same. What's your observations on the way that people are integrated into contact centers? Do you see there being a bit of a risk in having half of the stack over here separated from the, the bot logic or what do you recommend how people go about that? Yeah, um, it's exactly that. I think if you watch any of the contact center providers or even we, I joined your webinar with um, Google, mm -hmm. everybody agrees that it's pretty custom per project, right? I mean, it depends on what infrastructure they've already got in place, right? So what version of that contact center do they have? Does it already have uh, kind of a voice platform uh, capability? Does it already have some um, built-in speech-to-text and text-to-speech providers? Or do we need to then um, develop this um, from scratch? Of course, now with the, the Google uh, contact center AI coming, um, that will be maybe a lot of the platforms will have more capabilities if that's something to do, but, but they still say, of course, you need to have the right version and who's going to do that integration. Um, Kane and I have talked in the past of kind of, can we find one person who knows about all of them? Of course not. Right. It's very specific. Um, depends on your licensing. It depends on what capabilities you need in that platform. Um, so we have projects, um, where the contact center maybe would be working directly they have integrated speech-to-text, text-to-speech inside the contact center. Maybe it's an add-on, a feature, or the contact center project may have to do some development and then use the, maybe just the cloud, uh, the kind of real-time API, speech-to-text, text-to-speech. And does the text get sent straight to the NLU, the voice bot, or does it go to the contact center first and then to the voice bot? Um, there's a lot of things, and I think that's something, the architecture and who's going to do the work and what needs to be done is definitely a kind of a conversation to have quite early on mm -hmm. to assess what will need to be done. Um, and then of course you've got kind of, do you pass transcripts over to each other? Are they going to do any internal um, agent assist work? Kind of that, that requires some intent prediction. Do they, do they have a knowledge base? If you are using agent assist, where does it sit in the platform? Does, do we have the capabilities already or do we need to build a widget inside the platform? Um, so, so it, it is, I'd say varies between, um, projects, but all of them are possible. Of course, you can just connect the NLU to the contact center. If that's the infrastructure that they've got in place. Hmm. It's interesting. What do you think, Dustin? I remember talking to Frank Schneider from Speakeasy and he was saying about the fact that the, the speech recognition in most systems, speech recognition is over here then the NLU is over here and the NLU might miss out on some data that's in the audio if the things are decoupled. Like what's your thinking on having part of that technology over here in a contact center and another part of the technology over here? Is there any, any other observations on, on that approach? I, I think it also goes the reverse as well. Uh, the, the speech recognition is missing out because of the, you're not having the NLU and the NLU can, and you see this um, with a smart assistance, the reason why people don't really use 
uh, you know, you would technically bring a third party NLU to Alexa, for example, uh, but you're going to miss out on actually biasing the speech recognition right there. And so that's one thing where I think it does make sense to be tied very closely. Sam, have you noticed the same or? I mean, I, of course, it's exactly that, right? So there's, there's accuracy of the speech to text. Maybe that's not always passed on to make a prediction to an intent. And then maybe you're starting to predict without the full information um, or full context, maybe, context sorry, maybe. Um, but I mean, do you think, I'd assume probably it's going to be the case now, everybody, as you said, everybody's buying NLU, everybody's kind of invested in um, improving the contact center. Area. Do you think it's going to change soon? I mean, are we expecting it to be something that will be less uncertain? I, I, yeah. I, I think what's going to happen over time is all these contact centers like Vonage, like Genesis and like Five9 already have, is they're all going to require their own conversational AI and they're all going to have it set up in a way where it's pretty much pretty much as a one-click setup. And so all of this stuff, for, for, for most of the customer service teams, and, and businesses who are wanting to do something with their IVR, if they go down the route of using their contact center provider who are all building this stuff, all trying to acquire this kind of capability, it's going to get to the point where this conversation is not a conversation that anyone needs to have <laughs> because they're, they're just going to have it all assembled and have it all there, basically. Um, and there's obviously going to be you know, pluses and minuses of that. One is, is you're probably going to be able to get up and running quicker. Um, you don't have to go and find other providers. But at the same time, how vested is that company going to be in your success and how vested are they going to be in the constant improvement and iteration of their technology if they've already kind of got you locked in, you know? So that's, that's my little, and I've said this a few times before, this is my little apprehension or worry or concern about all of these acquisitions um, from contact center providers is because it, I fear that as much good as it will do for the adoption of the technology, I also fear it will, stifle innovation a little bit what, what, what because you've just you used the word lock-in right you're locked in right if you're using already using a contact center and they um acquire some um an nlu platform that maybe you're not already using right let's say you've already got a project with um with a with a provider of conversation ai and also maybe what if they are the contact center is locked into a speech-to-text text-to-speech provider right so one some of the uh, alter, some of the um, some of the additional things we look at when benchmarking is, of course, transcription is quite important. Accuracy, word error rate, will it make a prediction? But also privacy, right? Kind of where's my data going? Maybe we don't agree with the privacy um, of, of that speech to text provider or text to speech, or, or for example, or support. What level of support do they offer? If we need some help, and kind of are we going to get charged every time it doesn't work, or, or kind of level of education, right? These people need onboarding in the services. Is it going to be, you know, you're already using those, you can find somebody else, or this is going to be the, the cost for the education of the new features that we're providing? Uh, latency, of course, will be hopefully eliminated soon, but it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but there's many other things, right? Price, right? This is the only this is the NLU we're using and this is the price and we're locked in. That would probably be um, something that people are concerned about. And, and I think maybe the privacy and data and kind of the flow of information that's being passed to these third party services that maybe they're not getting a, uh, getting to be involved in the decision um, of, of what's been used. Sam, I'd like to move maybe a little further down the stack. On your website, you listed you've got uh, natural language generation capabilities. What are you doing there right now? I'm not involved in any natural language generation, but um, obviously it is, it is something that's kind of interesting and there's a lot of kind of work being done, but I can share some information afterwards about that if, if, if I can do a little bit of research into that, if that's possible. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I'm in court and I, I don't have the answer. And it's better I don't give an answer that, I'm, that, that wouldn't be accurate. Yeah, uh, yeah no, that's cool. Maybe, maybe perhaps changing the, the question a little bit. What is your perspective on where things stand in general? Not, not necessarily you guys, but things stand in general with natural language generation. How far away are we, if at all, from being able to, to integrate that more with voice, with, with our conversational? Uh, and what are we missing today? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's things typically come, quick, typically come quicker than we expect them to. And there's typically somebody out there that's doing a really good job in this area that maybe is not kind of shared yet. Um, 
I mean, I think it's about kind of, you know, we need the data. We need to kind of learn from what was best and, and how to best perform this. Um, and also I think one is, is, is kind of privacy as well of kind of making sure that everything is compliant and, and being able to do it. Have you guys done any testing or, cause it is quite, it's not new kind of, obviously it's been uh, a word that kind of been tested and used for a while, but I personally haven't really tested anything or seen anything in around the voice space. You've, you've uh, done quite a bit, Dustin, with NLG, haven't you? Yeah, I've done a fair amount. Um, I mean, obviously you've got, you've got your, you've got your layers, right? You've got this very simple uh, templating, which is, uh, you know, just filling in, filling in spots, which I guess you could consider a type of NLG, all the way to the full zero shots, GPT-3, GPT-2 uh, type of generation. One thing that I've noticed uh, is, you know, Sam, you talk about error rates and, and performance and all of this with the speech to text, like you mentioned earlier, it's okay if you get something wrong. Um, there, there's ways to make up for that. Whereas with the NLG, I feel like you, you just can't. Uh, you, can, you can make small mistakes, but with NLG, it's just so obvious if you're, if you're making a mistake and that's sort of the end of it. Um, and then there's, it's really hard to kind of catch that thing. So even mm. the best NLG that I've seen works like magic 80% of the time. And you're like, wow, this is just amazing. But you always have that 20% of the time. Mm. Uh, that 20% that you just can't unleash it without, without someone in the middle. Mm. It's harsh, isn't it? Because I, th- I think it was, um, might have been, I can't remember who it was specifically now on LinkedIn that was talking about it. We had, we had a bit of a discussion about Basically, I posted um, an article this week, which is titled something like you're thinking about conversational AI all wrong. And it stemmed from an article that Zendesk published. And there's nothing against Zendesk. The article is actually a really good article. There's a lot of really interesting stats and data in there. But there was an example of um, a a use case for a chatbot. And the use case was said, you know, it was talking about how fantastic conversational AI is. And it said, for example, a chatbot could understand that a customer wants to know about returns and then can send them to the returns policy page on the website. And it just pained me because I was thinking that's not a very good use case because nobody wants to generally know your generic return policy. People want to know whether they can return this item if they've just bought it. They want to know a specific answer to a specific question. And it got me thinking about use cases I've seen implemented, conversations I've been a part of or privy to. And there's just not, there isn't a huge amount of people thinking really transformatively about what conversational AI can do for a business. It's not a signpost that will send one person from one web page to another because that's a search and search has been working pretty well for quite a long time. Um, where, where, where the real potential is, is for it to be able to facilitate transactions, to do all of that line of business system integration, to revolutionize or streamline business processes and to become the layer, the front layer, the primary layer of interaction between a customer and a business. And that causes huge problems further down from a business perspective, because you need to be organized enough and your technology infrastructure needs to be in such a state that you can facilitate that. But the discussion that we got into on LinkedIn off the back of that article being posted was, uh, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying about like, think of how much knowledge exists just in the minds of people that work within organizations that doesn't exist on, um, on a website, doesn't exist anywhere, just basically in the, in the minds of a few people. And that kind of got me thinking about NLG because for example, I've done work in, in government in the past and, for example, the people who, who collect the bins, right? So streets that, that exist around the world, some streets have different access. Some streets have little shortcuts and some, some country lanes, there's no Wi-Fi signal down there. And individual people know this stuff and they adjust behavior accordingly, but it's not written down anywhere. And so that kind of got me thinking about the potential of NLG is that if you could find some way of ingesting or, or understanding the, the information that's in people's minds and almost using that as the basis for kind of, um, yeah, as the basis, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I can't quite kind of encapsulate what I'm trying to get to, but essentially using NLG as a way of getting to information that's not readily or easily accessible essentially, but it doesn't really help if it's not very accurate. 
I think that's, yeah, I think it's kind of like the seamlessness, right? Whoever's interacting with you, they don't know that, right? They don't know that this new information has come from um, some, some somebody who's driven down that that street, as you said, and kind of notified or informed this kind of intelligence that that this is the case. Basically, to them, it's just the information that they've asked for, right? Uh, I think in terms of like seamlessness, I think. I can probably give a shout out to the Finnish team. They have, they have a project in Finland, which is quite interesting for, for kind of the seamlessness of um, they've um, it's the Finnish immigration um, services in Finland have teamed up with the Finnish tax office and the Finnish patenting office. And what you can do is from any of their services is ask questions about each of those organizations and it will kind of move you over to the right service. So if you ask the patenting office about taxes, it won't send you to the tax office website. It will inside the same chat, send you to the um, chat bot or virtual agent of the tax office. It will change color, it will let you know that you've moved over. Data won't be transferred, but you're still inside that that, that area. And then you can go on to um, kind of, for example, if you wanted to ask about immigration, you can ask about the immigration service. So it's called virtual agent network. And I guess it's that kind of Nobody knows what's happening on the back end there or, or what kind of things are occurring, how it's connected. How does it know that what I've asked is not a question for that service, but they've got that. They know that it's part of another organization's knowledge and move over without any kind of um, noticeability in, in the functionality. And I guess like the seamlessness of the NLG or, or kind of user experience or the journey through getting the information is probably something that they're not going to know about really. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice idea that having multiple bots serving multiple different needs being managed by multiple departments, but being fronted by a consistent front end is quite a nice idea. Um, I think, we're, I think, well, it'd be interesting to know what your thoughts are in terms of where the future, even even the immediate future, I think you've got a group of people who are just getting started, just starting out with their first few use cases, whether it's in the contact center or chat or wherever it might be, voice assistants or whatever. But then you've got some organizations who are fairly sophisticated, fairly advanced, extend, you mentioned at the very, very beginning, you're seeing a lot of people extending into other use cases, whether that's creating a different bot for a different department or team or whatever it might be, but still expanding. Where, where do you see the kind of future as far as people, how, how people are approaching it? Do you think it's going to be multiple bots, you know, housed under one kind of umbrella? Is it going to be just one assistant that an organization has? Are we going to see a lot of piecemeal siloed bots scattered across the uh, different surfaces? Like where, where, what are you noticing in terms of how people are approaching this at a broader scale than just one kind of bot serving one use case? Yeah, um, I think all the categories there, right? You have some organizations who have many serving different purposes, whether it will be first line of support, second line of support, or phone lines. Um, we have um, kind of, we have we serve um, the municipalities in, in the Nordic countries or, or, or counties, let's see if, if municipality is not a familiar word, um, which have 6,000 intents, right? So 6,000 different topics it can answer about, whether it's bin collection or booking a kindergarten place. So we have that kind of, um, one kind of, we have projects where they, we have, um, the large or large amount of content in one area serving kind of country, large, um, areas, or as you said, innovation, we have some really interesting innovation projects with, um, maybe not too much details. It's not my project, but kind of, um, um, certified financial advisor, I believe it to be with a virtual agent, um, um, we have, um, you know, we're looking into kind of the future of kind of biometrics, right? Kind of recognizing a user by their voice or sentiment analysis. Um, these are all things that tools are, av are available today. Um, but I don't think it's kind of, there's not large amounts of people doing it on a really impressive scale I've seen. So those kind of areas are coming more. How do we improve what's already there? Right. So we can make a phone call and ask a question and, and predict a, a piece of information and give it to them, whether that be transferring to the right human, giving information or transferring money on a bank. Um, but how can we make that quicker? Kind of the, the authentication we're talking about businesses are financially invested, right? So how can we make that as 
um, minimal cost for them. But um, I'd say kind of, yeah, having um, the availability to serve all callers or, or, or everybody asking for products and services, how can we serve them in the best way possible? Whether it be automation, um, providing agents with assistive information from a knowledge base or um, kind of um, NLG, as you said. So I think um, some of the things that we're claiming to have um, completed already, I think there's a lot of work to be done in those areas still mm. globally. Mm. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Nice. Any any final thoughts, Dustin? Any final questions for Sam? No, I think we've covered a lot. Thanks so much for joining us, Sam. It's been really interesting to hear how you're thinking about things. Uh, and definitely, I'm sure a lot of more people are interested in checking out Boost now as well. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's been great as uh, late as I was. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. And apologies for those who... Um, who are joining we we haven't had chance to facilitate uh questions and things like that it's been a bit of a it's actually uh, to be honest my reflection is using zoom is actually uh it's i can concentrate on the conversation more restream i'm always trying to blow people up and turn people down and put comments up and it's more a producing thing and uh this 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 has been able to be concentrated a little bit more so but, but yeah we'll see we'll see how we get on with uh with this in future but sam anyway pleasure having you along my friend where can people follow you online i know you're very active and you post a hell of a lot you're active in the community where can people reach you and, and also where can people go to to try out boost yeah um you can um, find me on LinkedIn, Samuel Danby, I believe. Um, I should have maybe have these all in order. Um, or you can go to our website, um, boost.ai, I think um, would be the best place to kind of ask any questions or any information. Um, but if you want any more info, you can obviously email me as well at samuel at boost.ai. But social media, I'm pretty much on there. Um, so feel free to reach out if you've got any questions. Nice one. And check out the Voice Lunch Nordics if you are over there in the Nordics, uh, which I'm sure will be will be incredibly interesting. Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, looking forward to the next time we chat, as always. Uh, thank you all for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we'll see you next week when we might be having Avaya on the podcast next week, I think. I think that's what the plan is. We'll see. We'll be back next week regardless anyway. <laughs> so we'll see you all then.